Uh, right now, we're joined by Jan Vermeulen, editor at large at My Broadband. And I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with it, but you may have experienced it the capturing of biometric data when you go for apply for your new passport, your new ID uh, card, your South African ID card, or maybe even at work, just like here, yeah, we required fingerprint access to get into the building. Jan Vermeulen explains this to us. Uh, Jan, welcome to the weekend early breakfast. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm well. How are you? I'm not bad at all, thank you. Thanks for taking some time out to chat to us. So our, our, Big pleasure. Just cold. <laughs> tell me about it. So our, <laughs> chat, our chat this morning is around biometric data. It's become uh, quite popular just about everywhere you go to. You have to um, give your biometric data, whether it's your passport or your ID. What, let's just start off there. What is this biometric data or biometric information? The biometric data refers to anything that's got to do with your own biology. And so it's something that can be used that's part of you as a person that can be used to uniquely identify you. So fingerprints are a very famous example. Um, um, you know, you see it in crime TV shows all the time, identifying criminals by fingerprints and so on. But uh, your face is another one and your eyes, are your irises are another one you See that in movies like Mission Impossible was, um, you know, come, comes to mind, uh, you know, as a as a uh, example of, mm. you know, like the, the the protagonist having to find a creative way to get around the the, uh, the iris scanner. Uh, Total Recall also, uh, sorry, what's Total Recall? I think it was Demolition Man. There's another science fiction thing about, you know, that has iris scanners in there, and how do you get around an iris scan? And um, and so yeah, it's basically anything. Um, on your body that can uniquely identify you. So, I mean, DNA, um, you know, can be considered another form of biometric information. So, are the, just going back two seconds to the the movies and the eye scan. So, that's actually real. You, you some place some there are security levels or security systems that require an eye scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, in fact, Samsung has built that into uh, into their phones, into some of their phones. They've got an iris scanner built into their phones. So, you know, the, the accuracy of these biometric information systems is a whole separate discussion. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's uh, you know, uh, sort of high-grade um, security systems uh, with things like iris scanning, palm printing, fingerprint scanning, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, the DNA sampling via spit, uh, there are all kinds, of, um, all kinds of interesting systems out there. Why has there been such a shift of late to using biometric data? Probably because people are really bad at passwords. So <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of biometric data or, or using biometrics as, as an only uh, form of authentication. But, uh, you know, people are so bad at passwords and keeping their, their um, information secure using passwords that I think, uh, you know, security professionals and, and companies, you know, are looking for any kind of way to try and make things more secure while keeping it convenient. So, you know, um, asking people to, you know, uppercase, lowercase, uh, no repeating characters, special characters, uh, you know, numbers, uh, uh, you know, and asking them then to remember that password afterwards mm. has proven to be not, not very successful. Or you end up in a situation where someone, you know, thinks they're being very clever and they just hold down the shift key and then they go, you know, uh, vertically down the keyboard and they go, you know, exclamation, Q, A, Z, at WSX hash EBC, for example, um, and then, you know, might might alternate up, uh, you know, the, the, the case up and down so that there's a digit in there along with a lowercase character just to get past the, 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 the password um, 
uh, strength check. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, you, you have companies trying to find any, anything else that would be, you know, convenient, but still secure and more secure than a weak password. And so that's where biometrics comes in because generally, you know, you always have it with you. So there's no way to forget <laughs> your password, uh, because you always have your thumb with you unless, you know, a terrible accident happens. Yeah. Um, or you always have your face with you and then, you know, you can authenticate that way. That's the idea, but it, it does come with pitfalls. Why, why are you not such a huge fan of, of, of biometric data? So in security, there are a couple of principles um, that, that we like to apply. And so, you know, there's, um, you know, the, and there's various checks that you can do to, to uh, kind of verify someone's identity. It's, you know, something they know, something they are, and something they have. And so, you know, practical example, something you know is a password. Mm-hmm. Something you have is like a cell phone or a dongle. Um, and so you, you often see that the OTPs that we get from banks and stuff, mm-hmm. that's one-time something pins. you have checked. Yeah, the one-time pins. Um, but you also get dongles um, that, you know, uh, Capitec issued its uh, online banking customers with dongles before it switched to using smartphones. Um, and then something you are is, is biometrics. So uh, having, having uh, you know, security checks across all three of those is really the most secure. Now, the problem with biometrics in particular is another principle in security is the ability to change a password. In, um, uh, and for those who, who are maybe a bit more technical, when you've got a security certificate, you know, uh, those things that you use to, to make websites mm. secure and to, and to secure traffic um, to websites, those you can revoke. That is a critical part of the security system because if the certificate is compromised in any way, which ha- which you know, has happened in the past, and that means that then any traffic to and from that website, somebody can intercept it and so on. So there's a system to revoke those certificates and issue a new one if someone's, um, you know, credentials that generated that certificate are ever compromised. Um, long story short, the, the big problem with your fingerprints is that you can't get new ones. Yeah. So, and the other problem is you leave them all over the place. So if, if, um, if it's the only way that is being used to authenticate you somewhere, then, you know, there's, and this you see in, in Mission Impossible style movies all the time, if someone's a high enough priority target, you can lift their fingerprint, you know, off a glass or something, uh, and you then create some kind of, of a fake version of that fingerprint mm. and then impersonate that 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 person to try and break into the security and so there's all kinds of tricks that are being done to try and avoid that but we still see a fingerprint based security and other bi- forms of biometric security defeated all the time um apple's uh, face unlock um you know get, getting mixed results with twins and stuff uh, so you know, these biometric forms of security are not perfect and and uh, on top of that it, it relies on a on, on a piece of data that cannot be changed. So if mm. that password is ever compromised, in, you know, to to use the, the security terminology a little bit, there's no way to change it, and 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 then you're stuck. Uh, and so that's why biometrics as sort of an additional um, way of identity verification, no problem with that. Or if you're doing like a fingerprint unlock on a phone, you know, which is which is part of you, that's that's okay. It's not perfect, but it's it's okay. Um, but when you're talking about using fingerprints as the only way 
to authenticate yourself. Uh, it's it's a it's a big problem. Then it's problematic for our listeners that I've just tuned in. This is the weekend early breakfast on Cape Talk with myself, Mark Johnson. I'm in conversation with Jan Vermeulen, and, and we're talking about biometric data using fingerprints, facial recognition, uh, eye scans to identify and create passwords. Uh, it's become very popular in uh, security systems these days. If you'd like to add to the conversation or, or ask any questions about the topic, please feel free to call into studio on 021-446-0567. You can also send your WhatsApp texts or voice notes to 072-567-1567. Now, around this, um, this access control, a lot of, a lot of companies and offices, obviously, uh, yeah, as well, they're using fingerprints, um, thumbprints, whatever prints, um, as access to gain access to the building as a form of security. Uh, but recently mm. in Australia, a company, uh, that implemented this fingerprint scan and biometric scans, um, for the employees to gain access to, to their workplace. One of the employees actually, uh, refused to give his fingerprints. The guy's name was Jeremy Lee. He refused to give his fingerprints, um, for his biometric scans. Uh, his company sort of laid a case against him. They, they went to court. Um, Jeremy Lee, the employee, the employee won the case because the court found that there was no law that that there's no legal obligation for him to comply and give over his data. Do you have any idea? Right. Do you have any idea what what the what the law entails when it comes to South Africa and and uh, biometric data when it comes to employee employer or even at banks? Right, right. So this, this hasn't been tested in South Africa to the best of, of of my knowledge. I think generally South Africans, you know, kind of uh, be, because of the the the, the state of um, of security that we live in in the country, it's it's not something we tend to have a problem with. Mm. So I think perhaps when when secu- you know, the, the issues around personal safety and security in South Africa improve. We might see these kinds of things end up getting challenged in court um, with, uh, you know, the, the Protection of Personal Information Act, uh, you know, just just kind of waiting for that last bit, that last push over the line uh, to get implemented in South Africa and so on. But, uh, yeah, in, in the Australian case, what happened here was um, the employee, Mr. Lee, uh, refused to, uh, to to give over his fingerprint um, to, to be used as a sort of time and attendance and access control system, from what I can piece together. Mm. And then they fired him. And so um, certainly I, I, would, I would expect, um, you know, uh, the, the CCMA uh, to, take, to generally take the side of the employee in this case, because we have a very employee, worker-focused um, uh, legal system in South Africa at the moment, or legislation um, in, in South Africa at the moment, um, for better or worse. And so I suspect that if something like this, uh, uh, you know, actually went to the CCMA, um, you know, there, there would be questions around what other options that you offer the employee. And, and certainly in Australia, it looks like there's also very much a procedural issue here. So Mr. Lee was hoping for a... A, a court ruling to say that my biometric data is mine and no one can force me to hand it over. But unfortunately, that's not the outcome he got. Um, he got a procedural ruling from the court um, saying that his company did not follow the correct procedure, you know, um, in communicating with employees, mm. uh, you know, that this new system was coming in and uh, telling them about it and then uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, allowing the employees to make an an informed decision about uh, this biometric security. Uh, and so apparently the company didn't, you know, cross its T's and dot its I's in that regard. And so the court ruling went in Mr. Lee's favor. But unfortunately, he didn't get the, 
um, the sort of precedent-setting ruling he was hoping oh. for regarding ownership of biometric data. And so um, I suspect in South Africa, the, the procedural aspects will be quite similar um, if someone decides to challenge it. But as I said, generally in, in South Africa, we don't mind... Um, we don't mind these things because it makes it, you know, the, the, the security guards that have to implement these systems, um, it, it actually makes their jobs easier usually. Um, and for us, you know, the, the, the people who end up using the security systems, it makes us feel safer. And so people generally don't, don't really bulk at these, um, at these kinds of systems implemented in South Africa, even though, you know, it's a tremendous, uh, privacy risk and a tremendous surveillance risk, but um, yeah, when when you've got such a personal safety and security issue in the country, people will sacrifice a lot of privacy for for safety. The the whole question about security and safety, you know, when it comes to because uh, we can't we can't overlook the fact that biometric data falls into the realm of data, personal data, information, your name, right. surname, passwords, and the question begs to be asked. Um, how safe is it? We've, you know, we've all, we've seen Facebook in the news for data being used improperly and people getting access to data. Um, various, 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 uh, sort of data hacks where just bulk loads of data, um, are taken up by people. Is, is there, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, do we need to be concerned about who has access to this, who is creating the security systems around keeping our biometric data safe? Yes, absolutely. And not just biometric data, all of our data. There's all kinds of, of um, government interventions uh, being spoken about uh, to build central databases of uh, you know, various kinds of personal data um, that you know, is, it should, people should really think twice about supporting, uh, about supporting initiatives like that. And so, yeah, in South Africa, we have vast stores of, of people's personal information at home affairs and elsewhere that are prime targets if they haven't been hit already. I mean, we've already seen um, parts of home affairs data leaking online, not due to, uh, not through home affairs, but through other um, people who have had access to that data. And so, um, you know, uh, biometric data, usually, you know, when I come across systems that, that, that use biometric data, it's, it's like pretty thoroughly encrypted, hmm. mercifully. Um, but, uh, you know, including on the new ID cards, a very important feature on the new ID cards is, you know, the security and, and the encryption on that. Um, but, but yes, I mean, this is something, you know, when, when we just drive into an, an office park and they, you know, scan your driver's license and your, and your license disc and put, sometimes even they ask for a fingerprint, they enroll your fingerprint. And then, you know, when you leave, you just scan your fingerprint and, and then, you know, the, the boom opens for you. But th- those systems, I, I feel like as South Africans, we don't ask enough questions mm. around those systems. But, you know, we also don't want to, you know, um, stand there and make a security guard's life difficult over a system that they've got no control over. Um, we don't want to, you know, hold up a line of six cars behind us. And so, yeah, we end up not asking questions about where is this data being stored? How secure is it? And, uh, and yeah, it's, you know, all of these things are, are really a privacy disaster waiting to happen. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the thing that companies who are collecting data like this need to be aware of is that, uh, you know, Poppia, we'll see what the enforceability of this is like, but I certainly hope it goes places. Poppia is going to make it, um, you know, extremely uh, costly for companies who um, in, are, are collecting data like this and end up having it leaked. And so hopefully that will be a deterrent 
um, you know, so that so that companies only collect the data they absolutely need, rather than co- collecting the maximum they possibly mm. can, because that's a situation we're in at the moment. Um, you know, people kind of collect data now and worry about it later, um, whether you know it's biometric security data or, or um, you know al- otherwise, and uh, and so. Um, you know, the, and there's no real consequences for if the, you know, for, uh, regarding how the data is stored or if it gets leaked. But hopefully in future that, that picture will change. I also just want to point out though that there is also legal obligations on, um, uh, you know, uh, at, at companies and so on to actually know who is on their premises, hmm. um, in some cases. And so, um, th- there's, there's both of these interests to balance. It's, it's our, um, right to privacy as citizens and, and having our personal information guarded. But then on top of that, there's a responsibility on the companies um, to, to know who is on their premises um, so that, you know, if something happens, that there's some kind of record to say, yes, we, you know, we, we did um, as much as we possibly could to ensure that we didn't have, you know, anybody dangerous entering our premises. Here's the record of it. And so, you know, that's it's that's the, the tricky thing that that always needs to be balanced, and especially so in in South Africa at the moment. There's, those are a lot. Those are a couple of things that I haven't even um, really considered, just in terms of that. You know, when you, we we're talking about safety and security, but then also like, why is the requirement for safety and security? It's because there is uh, a requirement from, from from private property owners and public property owners to have safety and security, and this having this information is part of that process. Uh, right. It's quite, I was just, I was just freaked out a little bit when I'm just thinking about when I go to visit a friend and I have to sign in my name, my, my, yes. my phone number, uh, my car registration number if I'm parking somewhere and then that information is there. And I'm like, well, I didn't yes. think about the fact that every time I go somewhere, I'm giving somebody some critical information about myself. Yes, and in information that can actually be used against you yeah. in an identity theft attack. So there's actually, and, and I hope the companies that are being contracted to handle our safety and security like that, mm. really take this responsibility seriously because I kind of feel like the, the, the data is being handled in a very, uh, in a very sort of blasé fashion. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you know, we're handling all this personal information and there's no real responsibility or, or um, any kind of respect shown towards what that data could represent. You know, when I remember having a discussion with a, a resident at a complex, we were attend- we were going to a restaurant that was inside a residential estate and, you know, also required to sign in and give driving license stuff. And, and you know, I asked some basic questions around how is this data being stored? Who's got access to it? And uh, the security guard got immediately very huffy with me. And eventually a resident stopped and uh, and inquired about what, what the scene was about. And so, you know, and when I said, you know, identity theft is a real attack, they literally just went, you know, like, whatever, you know, you're just kind of making stuff up now to try and make your point. Um, but uh, being in the technology media, you see every day people's online banking details compromised yeah. um, through various creative means and, they, and their life savings emptied out of their bank accounts and into the, into the accounts of thieves. And... Um, you know, when, when you see that happening every day, you get a tremendous amount of respect for where your personal information is and how it's accessible because that information can, you know, all, all these, um, these criminals, all these fraudsters and, and, and online uh, banking thieves need, they just need like one hook. They just yeah. need like your, your online banking password fished from you. And then from there, they start looking up your, your, your personal information to get in. 
uh, to your bank account any other way. SIM swap fraud then happens once they've got the rest of your personal information. Then they defraud the cellular company and try to trick them into thinking that they are you. And then they can't commit the SIM swap fraud if they, you know, don't just steal a, a login and password from the the, online, the the mobile operator to do the SIM swap. And, you know, before you know it, they're in your bank account and they've got your money. And so, yes, there's, uh, I, you know, I really hope that these companies, um, you know, t- treat the, the personal data with the amount of respect that we would want to treat it, you know, uh, our own data treated with. Jan, uh, thank you very much, very much for scaring the living daylights out of me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do hope that it's a positive kind of scaring so, uh, that, so that people are, you know, it's just about awareness. Where is our data? How accessible is it? And taking the reasonable precautions to protect yourself. Yeah. That's all. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend further. And you too. Keep well.